Hey, what's going on? This is the Educated Guest Podcast, and I'm Justin, your host. Hey, if this is your first time listening, I just want to say thank you very simply for becoming a part of a community that's larger than yourself and might be asking, what is this thing? You know, what is Educated Guests? And very simply, it's a virtual art school dedicated to the development of multidisciplinary artists and designers you know, the true liberal artists within each of, each one of us. So we're not necessarily concerned with whether or not you can write, whether or not you can, writing is important, don't get us wrong, but whether you're a creative writer, a poet, a designer, an illustrator, an architect, it's not necessarily about the, the trade anymore. And we realize that we're not necessarily looking for another skill, we're not looking for an extra $5,000 in your salary. That's not what we're about. We're about transformational education instead of transactional education. And we really believe that through understanding self-practice and what's come before you, self-practice in context, you can truly be more fulfilled in your work, be more loving in your relationships and truly reach what you are hoping to reach, um, which is this full presence and this eternity and this sort of the spectrum of eternity. So all that fluffy stuff to say that there's three segments that we deliver information through. There's the filter of the mind, which we call our segment of incomplete thoughts, comes on Mondays. There's this filter, this lens of practice, which we've already mentioned, comes on Wednesdays. We call that work study. And then there's this third filter we place and this lens we place around our teaching and it's called Well Read. This is our Friday segment dedicated to sort of this develop to providing a portrait of our inspirational artists that we're interested in at this particular time and hoping that that might drive you into a new place in your work. And if you've heard of the artists that we mentioned, then we try to go as deep as possible. And maybe if you're hearing for the first time, we try to make it as palatable and accessible as possible to lead you down a deeper rabbit hole that's almost infinite with the internet now. Um, so before I begin talking about today's um, person of interest, I wanna talk about uh, or invite you into a, a deeper relationship with this community. And the invitation is simple. If you can go to educated-guests.com and sign up for our email newsletter. We don't capture a whole bunch of information and we really don't spam you with too much information, mainly because we're not really fans of email anyway. Um, so we really believe in treating others how you wish to be treated. So that said, um, today we're covering Pedro Reyes and Pedro Reyes is a Mexican artist and I found it particularly interesting uh, in doing some study on his work that I fit, I, I really felt felt as if he fit the ethos. I can't even speak today. He fit the ethos of educated guests so well that I really wanted to give a, a brief overview of both his biography and a couple of pieces of his pieces of his work, um, his body of work that is. And um, I think we'll just close with a, a quick synopsis. So we should be in and out of this particular episode in about fifteen minutes or so. I don't expect it to be that long. But I'm hoping this serves as a appetizer for the full course meal that is his entire body of work, hearing him speak directly, hearing um, about how others write about his work. I find it particularly interesting to get into. So he was born in Mexico City in 1972 and 
his particular interest is in designing ongoing projects that propose sort of this playful, almost um, happenstance solution to social problems. And this particularly caught my attention through um, one of his works called Disarm, which I'll talk about in detail in a, in a little bit. But he turned guns into musical instruments. Um, and he's also hosted People's United Nations to address pressing concerns. Um, and this other body, of, this other piece of work that's very interesting, where he offers sort of this, um, <laughs> as is written about, these ecologically friendly grasshopper burgers from a food cart. And the point here is that he's able to transform existing problems into ideas for a better world. And it's this lens of optimism and this lens of curiosity about a better future that truly makes the difference in his work. And I find all the time that as we get more and more knowledge, that's, there's a reason they say ignorance is bliss, it becomes easier and easier to choose pessimism. It becomes easier and easier to um, develop sort of a, and to entrench yourself in your own beliefs so that you don't become harmed. But as we entrench ourselves, we also can't ignore the truth that is in society. And we must develop almost a foxhole mentality where we start getting scrappy with how we develop solutions, especially as the harm becomes closer and closer and closer and closer to home, um, become tougher to ignore. So he uses sculpture, architecture, video, performance, and participation, sort of this participatory effort in developing the solution. And his works aim to increase almost this like creative agency we keep talking about in both environmental, political, and social spheres. So as we go through just three of his works of interest, I want everyone to maybe put on their put on their glasses, so to speak, put on their glasses so that you can view his work through a lens of appreciation for what is with an optimism for what might be. So the first is Disarm. The first notable project is called Disarm. So this is a, an art project by Pedro Reyes, you know, that is created and produced in relation to Palas por Pistolas. Pistolas. I'm not sure. I'm, I don't speak Spanish, but I'm imagining that's the correct pronunci pronunciation. So for this project, um, Reyes was contacted by the Mexican government, actually. And the more and more I read about this, it was this process of like this seizure, this widespread seizure of the Me Mexican government of over 6,500 guns. And you can imagine what that might mean in America as well. And what that means in context to America, because most America, most guns that end up around the world are usually produced in America, if I'm not mistaken. So that's an interesting note on how to respond to the gun trade, whether they're illegal or legal gun trade and um, between, you know, across borders. And Pedro actually comments on that, which shows the level of curiosity and interest in the subject matter, not just in the, the solution developed collectively. So what he did is that, you know, he, he was able to turn this, you know, this grand confiscation of these guns into something that almost serves as a, um, <laughs> serves as like political folly. It's like this, this effort of, again, humanizing, humanizing the harmful, 
you know, developing play and using play to to address difficult topics, you know, truly addressing issues of, you know, objects that take human life and bringing life back into them by delivering the humanity directly in the face of what is the most inhumane, most animalistic. So what he did is that he constructed using the, he constructed a musical ensemble, an autonomous musical ensemble that was purely made out of the metal from the 60, 65, the six over 6,500 guns that were confiscated. And this was displayed um, all around the world. I'm not sure of the exact exhibits and where and when and all that good stuff, but I'm telling you this because when I first heard about it, it, it just blew my mind how someone might, you know, have purpose behind mixed media. And the reason I say it blew my mind is because oftentimes when we think of mixed media art, it's, it's usually through a lens of um, it's usually through a lens of working with what you have. It's through a lens of ready-made art. It's through a lens of um, expression through scarcity. Um, but in you ma- imagining sort of the expertise, the background, um, the scale of what you're working with the government, where the government's reaching out to you for an interpretation on what to do with this work, um, to do with this, these materials, you can only imagine that it, this isn't necessarily an act of scarcity. This is an act of abundance, but truly using mixed media as a, as a format for expression of such a complex idea. So if you just go Google disarm, you'll see what I'm talking about and it's, it'll break your brain. It's amazing. Um, so the second one, the second notable project I want to cover today is called Sanatorium. And sanatorium was this temporary clinic that provided short, unexpected therapies. And it was actually brought to Brooklyn back in 2010-ish, 2011 maybe, um, with the support of the Guggenheims, which if you know the history of the Guggenheims, outside of just the fact that they have museums named after them, um, being supported by them is being like being tapped by, I don't know, some some God, if you will. And that's probably a stretch and I'll probably eat my words later on down the road. But anyway, it is it's extremely important and significant in the journey of an artist. So it's this utopian clinic of, you know, treatments for, you know, inner city afflictions as it's written about. And these inner city afflictions aren't necessarily ones that are noticeable by a cut or a bruise, but they're internal cuts and bruises, those of loneliness, those of stress, those of hyperstimulation. So you can imagine the context. And we talk often in this well-read series about interpretation and context. So looking at it through a lens of interpretation, you have to imagine that's that one might see this as, oh, of course this, of course this was a good idea. Like hyperstimulation, loneliness, stress, these were things. But we're looking at it oftentimes through a lens of the present without understanding the lens of the historic. Because in 2010 and 11, if you remember correctly, there were people still in the streets with razors, Motorola razors. Not everybody had a, you know, I think we were at the iPhone 3 at that point. You know, not everybody, there was no Instagram in 2010, 2011. There was no, you know, Tumblr was 
arguably one of the most Tumblr and Facebook were the two competing um, social networks at the time. And uh, MySpace was still on the, on the radar. So when you think about th- these different historic and contextual examples, you remember that, oh, wait, like he was ahead of his time to be imagining that there will be a need for, you know, public acknowledgement of therapy for stress, loneliness, and hyperstimulation, particularly given this, the, the density and the, uh, the density equation of how people want to actually move into new cities and move to the city centers and live closer to one another, yet still feel further and further and further apart. The sanatorium exhibit was extremely, extremely transformational. And again, it sticks to his body of work of, you know, true collective agency, collective creative agency by the people, like removes the veil of authorship so that everyone could author about a piece of work, for the development and the betterment of society as a whole. So that was incredibly important to kind of learn that about sanatorium. And then the third one, which was extremely um, interesting to me, was this concept of amendment to the amendment. So in 2015, it was this, again, traveling workshop, which is always interesting to me because most times when people write about artwork, they evaluate this, I, they do a formal evaluation and not um, formal in the sense of, oh, everybody's got suits and ties, but formal in the sense of how does the shape, structure, and fortitude of, you know, depending on medium, someone's use of color, someone's use of structure, someone's use of material and craft of the material. How does, how does that, where does that fall in the spectrum of beauty? If you were to dote, you know, note something as beautiful or not beautiful as the two polarities, where does it fall in that spectrum? So it's interesting when you're evaluating a workshop, if you were to do a formal analysis on a workshop, where, what would be the point of beauty? know how important is aesthetic in the evaluation of a traveling workshop is that the point so the workshop was to take u.s citizens through this this journey of rewriting the second amendment and was inspired by this concept of the legislative theater um this is basically hackathon that's on the road and most people think of hackathons as you know almost very very distant from the idea of formal appreciation of aesthetic appreciation. They're very keen on um, solution driven, fast moving, fast paced, very lack of, you know, aesthetic. Again, I just keep coming back to that word. So in this series of workshops, he conducted this two act play, um, sort of exploring the interpretation of gun legislation specifically the second amendment of the u.s constitution as it's developed and as it's written so it's interesting how this sort of social you know social climate or social angle of his work is very consistent but plays out in different mediums and i find that again as we've addressed throughout this month via our great expectations series if you haven't plugged in with that just go click on our episode um around artificial intelligence, go, go, go tap into our lectures around how to plan for the future. Um, and you'll learn more about what the great expectations series is about. Um, more so of a mini series, because I think we'll move on to something different in the month of June. Um, but as we conclude the month of May, it's interesting how we're evaluating these sorts of 
um, tough questions around technology, tough questions around authorship, t- tough questions around rights, justice. That's, that's the point we're at now. You know, technology is becoming a little bit more widespread about, you know, oh, wait, like all this stuff is changing, but I don't want to change the basic stuff that's been true. Well, I think that's the whole point is that we're meant to change these things that have been true. And they're always existing on a spectrum. That's why it's so tough to govern. It's so tough to be in politics. It's so tough to truly implement, implement change because you know, you, you'll be in office for four years, eight years at a time. If you're in the United States, that's how long the presidential um, tenure lasts. And you might find yourself only moving the needle an inch one way or the, and just for if the party switches after your, after your term, it just for it to move back another inch to where it was. So it's almost like this, this dance with balancing the spectrum of, you know, almost anarchy to, you know, I guess the opposite of anarchy would be like top down totalitarian, totalitarian, uh, I can't even say that word, totalitarianism. Um, where the government pretty much just rules everything. So I find it very interesting to look at Pedro Reyes's work through this lens. And particularly why we wanted to talk about him today is because of the social sort of implications of his work becoming more and more and more important as businesses and people and individuals and communities are being championed now are being celebrated for finally taking a stance. Businesses never really had to take a stance before. They could work the middle. They could hide behind billboards. They could hide behind scale. They could hide behind everything. But businesses are having to take a stance. People are having to take a stance. And it's this polarity, this stark contrast from one company to the next company, from one person to the next person that does make up a better mosaic for the way that we live. And particularly if you're, you know, a resident of the U.S., I know there's listeners in in the U.K., there's listeners in Canada, there's listeners um, all across Europe, some in Asia. There's people who are tuning in from around the world. And as you listen to this, I just hope that we begin to celebrate those who do take a stance. And that was the purpose of this particular lecture. Hopefully you enjoyed it. Um, that's all we have for today. I just hope that you go investigate a little bit more around Pedro's work and hoping that you can find a little bit of beauty in the seemingly mundane and understood social ills, but in the interpretation of how we can solve those ills. So with that said, that's all we have. I'll talk.